Hey, Ross. Hey, Sam. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15. 15. That's a Baker's Triple Dozen. A ba- Baker's <laughs> Triple Dozen. This is episode 15 of yeah. Sam and Ross Like Things, the show where Sam and Ross, I'm Sam. I'm Ross. Talk about a thing that we like. And uh, yeah. Here we so, are. Here we are. Do we have follow-up this week, Sam? Uh, I have some follow-up. Do you I, have, I do have a little bit of follow-up myself. So I have uh, completed the novel, The Hunt for Red October. What'd you think? Uh, four stars on well, Goodreads. Out of a scale of five stars. Out of a scale of five stars. Mm, that's so, high reading. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I have this problem where if I finish a book, I will typically give it five stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have now started hedging, yeah. and I'm giving books four stars. You know what I like to do? Because I have the same thing with movies where I'm like, if I like a thing more than just the middle of the road, I'll be yeah. like, oh, this was five stars. Right. Um, I will go back and look at older stuff I read and be like, is this as good as that thing? And it helps me calibrate a little. So uh, this was a suggestion uh, that I read the book after we talked about The Hunt for Red October on episode 13, yeah. the film. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it had more of the intrigue. It had more of the sort of... Uh, the espionage plot and it the movie uh, justifiably condensed a lot of the plot and a a lot of the scenes into kind of like one scene or composite scenes which worked in the movie but after reading the book like the plot made more sense right and so it just is it was a good someone who loves the movie the novel was worth it and neither detracted from each other oh cool that's nice so you didn't feel like the i i kind of felt like um when I read Princess Pride for the first time, yeah. I was like, oh. I felt like I was getting more out of the movie, and I think it did diminish the movie for me a little bit. So this didn't do... You feel like both are good good pillars. Good pillars, and the the story makes more sense in the book. Cool. The story is more fun in the movie. Oh, okay, cool. If that makes sense. So, Alec Baldwin, yeah. always more fun. Well, yeah. He, he's perfect. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> except for not. Um... It yes the the movie was a good movie version of the book and the book was not ruined by there having been a movie like about it. Cool. Yeah. So thanks uh, thanks for the suggestion, friend of the internet, Casey Liss. There you go. Um, so I poked at the ground with a stick. This did week. you? I did. It, well, so, I should slow down. I, slow yeah. down. You move too fast. <laughs> I should be. I should be clear. We got um we got new mulch, but the mulch is made of pine needles huh they, they call it pine straw i think and so it was very compelling so i wasn't poking at the dirt that counts but i was moving around pine straw with a stick while i drank a beer and let my dogs out which was awesome yeah it felt great yeah i wish i was doing it right now yeah instead of sitting here so well this is pretty nice this too, is nice but yeah. it is no poking the ground with a stick so I, I will continue this i think great yeah great so, Ross, uh, I started last week, so this week uh, you start. Yes. And your, uh, the thing you like this week is a book that I have not read, and I only know very little about. I'd like to know more. It's a book called House of Leaves. House of Leaves is the best. It's by Mark Z. Daniel Lesky is how mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. I don't really know how to say it. It's got a lot of consonants and letters in there. Um, but this book is incredible. I, it's the only book that sits on my bedside table. All the time? Yeah, it just sits there now. I got it for my. I got a, a real copy um, for my birthday this year, so it just sits there. Um, and the book is, I guess, the easiest way to explain it is it's a. I think it's a horror book. Is what, it's a horror story. 
Um, but it is, it's a, it's a form of writing that I looked it up on the Wikipedia and they call it ergodic literature. And what that means, this is from Wikipedia, so whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, ergon is the Greek word for work and hodos is the word meaning path. And it's a non-trivial effort is required to allow the reader to traverse the text. So what that means basically is you have this story and I'll tell you a little bit about the plot in a second, but... It's like a story within a story within a story thing, and there's a trillion footnotes, and the footnotes have footnotes, and sometimes the text is sideways on the page, and sometimes the text is just a big black square on the page, and sometimes Whoa. it's all like striked through, and like, so you do a lot of, this is why it sits on my bedside table as a physical book, it's probably the only physical book that like, I would, you have to read it as a physical book, because yeah. even though like the concept is kind of similar to like the internet and like linking from thing to thing to thing, like you have to have it as a book because you're flipping back and forth and back and forth and just reading it on an iPad or ever just wouldn't work. Um, you have to rotate it around. I can just imagine like holding on your iPad as you rotate and your <laughs> iPad like counter rotates back for you. And um, it's a fascinating book. And the plot is uh, the plot is complex a little bit. So there's this dude, his name's Johnny, and he's kind of a whatever guy. And his friend is like, hey, uh, you should, there's this guy in this apartment and then in your apartment building that he just died, we should go check it out. So they go check out this guy's apartment who died, um, and his name is, what is his name? I wrote it down, Zampano. And in Zampano's apartment, they find a manuscript. The manuscript is an academic study of this film called The Navidson Record. Neither, in, in, like in Johnny's universe, the, the film does not exist, and the places and people mentioned in the film do not exist, but there's this manuscript he's found documenting and like studying this film and then the film is about this photographer who moves to virginia <laughs> and finds a hidden labyrinth inside of his house which is the horror part of the thing so it's like an onion of three layers right there's johnny who finds zampano's manuscript which is about this film and in in johnny's universe those two center rings don't exist he can't find any evidence of those things but in yeah. those in those pieces they exist very much and are terrifying and frightening okay yeah <laughs> Tell me how, um, obviously this is one of your favorite books. Yeah. Tell me how this book came into your life. My good friend Susan recommended it to me. We read it. Um, friend of the show. Friend of the show. She's not really a friend of the show. If she listens to the show one time, she can be a friend of the show. Well, okay. Um, well, we'll let her, she will tell us if she uh, hears this bit. Right. Which is, I'm confident she won't, so... <laughs> um, we read it for one of our, when we did, we did an episode on yearly reading themes, mm -hmm. and we read it... I think and, we read it in... Oh, for the year of leaves. For the year of leaves. Yeah, was, that was like that book, and uh, yeah. I think that was it. Um, I think it was Year of Madness is what we did. And so, like, Zampano, as he's... Is that how you say his name? Zampano. As he's writing the manuscript, he is going crazier and crazier and crazier. And as Johnny is reading the manuscript, he is also going crazier and crazier and crazier. So we read it for that, or I read it for the Year of Madness. Um, and I just fell in love with it it's like the dumb it's like a real hard book to convince people that it's going to be good because i just no, spent two minutes explaining why i was crazy but like it is fascinating to read um it's very 90s i think it was written in the 90s um dude's dude's sister is poe do you remember poe i remember poe well and, and apparently poe's like first album or the album that came out similar times i think it was the second album yeah and so they're like a crossover sort of situation where you re can read house of leaves and whatever her album is and listen to it and there's like 
crossovers. Ooh, have yeah. you done that? I haven't. I, I'm not a big Poe. I tried to listen to it, and I was like, eh, it's not really my scene. Did you turn it sideways? That's a good suggestion. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do that. Um, so uh, yeah. your friend suggested it. Yeah. And I know you are typically, as, as you alluded to before, an electronic media guy. You don't like paper. Yeah. So did you first read this on an iPad? I tried. I downloaded it, and, like, it sucks on an iPad. Like, it just really sucks. You, you have to get a physical copy. Um, and you just miss out. Even if you do fuss around with digital footnotes and, like, tapping and going back and forth, like, you're still just missing out on... Part of it is, like, the feeling as the narrators, the various unreliable narrators, get crazier as the book goes on. Like, mm. you feel a little crazier because you're, like, sitting in bed with your partner or whatever reading this book and you're turning it sideways and they like look over and like all the text is like teensy or there's just a big black square on the page and they're like, what are you reading? And you're like, no, it's fine. It's cool. I swear. Yeah. So uh, the way I picture you reading this book is like Joey on Friends reading The Shining. Oh, we puts in the freezer? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is the book. So like. So Joey on Friends is so scared of The Shining, right, that he can't sleep until he puts it in the freezer yes because that will keep the book from getting him this is a terrifying and then he does it also with little women (laughs) legit (laughs) yeah um yeah this is a this is this book is terrifying in really strange ways it's a very claustrophobic feeling book um which is terrifying so sometimes the things aren't outright terrifying but like when i was reading it i was like feeling mostly sad about life and it just compounded things into like i remember reading in the basement and it gets this part. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but not too much. And he, the guy has found the hidden labyrinth, and he measures the inside of his house, and then he measures the outside of a house, and there's, like, a quarter of an inch discrepancy that he can't account for. And, like, I was in the basement. I was like, oh, I have to go. I, I was, like, done. Got to close this book. I like, ran, <laughs> I was, like, ran upstairs and was terrified because his house was slightly too big on the inside. Um, that doesn't sound very scary, but, boy, was it. Wow. Yep. So I, would you consider this a comfort book? Yeah, weirdly. Uh-huh. Okay. So do you just uh, like open it to a mm-hmm. bit? And yep. That, that's good. And so do you feel like also part of the, the joy of sort of creepy books are you can feel like you've conquered them? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Or is it more like the, there's, this book is unconquerable? And I find a new bit, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I think it's more uncomfortable. And, like, honestly, I haven't read it in probably, like, a month, and it just sits on my table, and, like, I look at it, and I'm like, mm, not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> not tonight. Uh, have you – is this a, a solitary book, or have you tried to share it with friends and family? I try to share ones? it, man, but, like, you have to – it's real long, and it's crazy in all the ways I mentioned, and so it's – it's challenge. I don't think anyone that I've suggested to to read it has actually read it, but everyone that I come across who has read it is like, "Dang, that book is so good!" It's almost like you need some sort of internet forum. Yeah, yeah. They mentioned it on the RVA subreddit, and I was like, "This book is great. I'm glad someone else has read it." Reddit. That was a Reddit pun. Was it Reddit? Sentence. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I'll put it on my list. Yeah, do it. I have a copy. You can borrow it if you're careful with it. It means a lot to me. No, I'll get one from the library. Oh, yeah. Well, it, that other people will have read that that'll copy, be, though. That'll be good, because it'll have like other people's like fear inside of it. 
<laughs> is that what the black box captures? Yeah, it sucks it, it in. Sounds like did you play on the the iPad the room? Yeah, yeah, it's it's room. I mean, it it, it like the aesthetic. It yeah. sounds a mm-hmm. lot like. Yep. There's this creepy, slightly off aesthetic, and I you aren't it, meant to know everything. Yeah, I think it's like Lovecraftian a little bit in that way, where oh, cool. where it's like normal stuff, but for some reason, like some things are terrifying. Um, and it does a good job pointing that. It also takes place in Virginia, so that's cool. Um, yeah. we, we live in Virginia. Yeah. All right. House of Leaves. Mark Z. Daniel Esky. Real crazy. Fiend. Period. Thanks, Ross. Yeah. All right, Sam. Yes. Your thing. We haven't done a food thing in a while. We haven't? That's why I'm so hungry. That's <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, your thing I like this week is unagi. Unagi. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Tell me about it. Unagi uh, is... Uh, There's a lot of sounds over there. Yeah. It is... Uh, if you go to a sushi, sushi shop... A sushi? A sushi. <laughs> um, and you order uh, unagi, you will receive these little pieces of eel... Covered in delicious sauce, mm-hmm. uh, whether that you know is the in a roll or sushi or sashimi or in a like a hand roll where it's basically like a, a ice cream cone filled with eel, which so, sounds delicious. It is awesome. <laughs> so this is one of my favorite foods. It is the flavor and the texture. Just I put it in my mouth <laughs> and. I always have to take a minute. Oh, I like I, that. Yeah, I put it and I taste it. I'm like, oh yes, and it's it's one of the first foods that ever got me into like the texture of food mattering because mm. it's not just the taste of the food, like the texture is perfect. So what this is is it's I don't even know all that. It, it's pieces of eel, yeah, and covered in delicious sauce. What, what, tell me more about the texture. What's it's 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 tender. And it isn't slimy. Yeah. I think when, just, when you say eel, like eel yeah, yeah. connotes slimy right off the bat. I don't know what. So I'll, I will tell a little bit of my sushi origin story. Yeah. The first time I had sushi was uh, at uh, Virginia Tech at, what's the name of that restaurant? The, the, like. The one with the steak and the West End. No, no, no. It was it was like in Christiansburg, where it was like oh, like a like a Japanese steakhouse. Japanese steakhouse. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Uh Well, they got had a sushi bar, and and I was there trying sushi. Actually, the first time I had it, a friend, um, uh, more of an acquaintance, uh, died when I was a freshman at Tech while we were there, and one of his favorite foods was sushi. So everyone who knew him went out for sushi and i'd never had it before and i tried it and it was salmon mm-hmm. and that because that's sort of the basic sushi and it was good um and it's like okay i can do this again so as i went more and more unagi was the first thing that i discovered was like whoa so did you did whoa. you just by luck you were like working your way through the menu or was someone like you should try unagi no or? i don't think anyone suggested it to me other than um, it might have been the sushi chef, but mm. just like try this, and I'm like, okay, like, oh my god, like this is the best thing ever. Why doesn't everybody eat this all the time? <laughs> and uh, so yeah, and I would go through phases where 
I let's go for sushi, and I'd just be like, yeah, give me like three unagi rolls. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just eat that. And then you get uh, the special rolls, like the dragon roll is typically like uh, unagi and cucumber. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered you can get what's called an unagi don, which is excuse me an unagi don. Okay. And I apologize if I'm messing with the pronunciation or anything. But you you basically go to a sushi restaurant and you say, I'd like a unagi don. And they're like, all right, you're not effing around. And they give you this little bowl and it's covered to keep the steam in. And it's basically rice at the bottom and then as many pieces of unagi that can fit in that bowl on top. Whoa. How did, so did you, is it off menu all the time? No, no, no. You can you, get it um, at sushi places near you. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's sometimes a lunchtime dish. Mm-hmm. But you go, I'd like the unagi don. They're like, got it. It's like uh, pepperoni lovers at Pizza Hut. Okay. Yeah. It's, all right, here's a bowl full of unagi, and you eat it and are happy. Whoa. So where did you, where, where you just kept going back to the place at Virginia Tech? To, that was the, the really the only place there. Mm-hmm. And I would go spend all the money I didn't have there. And now I like going to sushi restaurants a lot. And it's actually something my whole family will eat. Whoa, interesting. Which is weird that they not my my whole family won't eat unagi though i'm like all right you guys try this but everyone in my family will eat sushi at a sushi restaurant which do they eat the the non-fish ones or do they eat fish too uh, one of my daughters loves salmon and she will actually just eat she prefers just the sashimi whoa intense that's awesome which is like no rice is bs don't give mm-hmm. me any of that <laughs> no just give me the fish and stick it in my yeah then then my other daughter goes for the ve- some of the veggie rolls because she doesn't care for most meats right um but yeah that is a, one of the weird places that our family's like yeah we can all be happy at a sushi restaurant that's awesome yeah so where's your favorite place to get unagi in town uh i haven't been anywhere super recently um for a while my favorite place was uh, and i don't even know if it's still open in short pump which is why i never go recently there's umi mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's even still open but that was one of my favorite places to go um and unagi is my favorite but it, it did lead like to venturing out into the whole sort of sushi realm yeah it's like if i can find one thing that's good like unagi is still my favorite but it has made me not afraid to try anything. So one time on a business trip, I was its actually like the first trip I was going on to for this new company I was working for. And I was staying at this hotel and there was a Japanese steakhouse thing next to the hotel. I walk over and I am at the point now where I have no problem just going, sitting down at the sushi bar and saying... Make me a plate of whatever you want. Whoa. That's probably always the best thing to do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, just give me like, I'm on, on a, <laughs> I don't say like cost is no limit. Like if you sit there, they will just bring you stuff. So I like, and I even took a picture of it at the time. I don't know if I still have it, but like the full like sweet shrimp. Have you ever had one of those where no. it's like, they give you the full, like the full shrimp and mm-hmm. you just eat the whole thing. Whoa. Head and stuff. Yep. I love head of anything. Eyes and. Yeah. Um, if you haven't had fatty tuna. Fatty the, tuna, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it has expanded. Unagi was my departure point, but right. it is still like my sushi home. 
Do you think that the give me like a ratio of the sauce to the actual eel in terms of like what is the most important thing in it being your favorite thing? Like if you put the sauce on a, on tuna, would you would tuna skyrocket in your favoriteness? No, no, no. It 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 is a combination. Um, but that's why I emphasize the texture so much, right? Because it without the texture, it's nothing. <laughs> it kind of just melts in your mouth. Yeah. And the sauce, I don't know, helps that. I don't know. I'm not a foodologist. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just delicious. Yeah. And I want to eat it right now. We should go after the show. Ooh, that'll be our follow-up. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. Um, well, what else? Um, I love it. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like it. I want to. I, th- I think the first time I had unagi was when we went to sushi once, and you were like, you should really try the unagi. I, I think it has, a, like, for some reason, I guess culturally, like, me as a regular American Joe, like, gotten sushi's not weird anymore. But something about eel is is more weird than sushi. I don't yeah, know. Why. And it's cooked. Yeah, which should be less weird, right? Right. Um. So I don't know. Uh. I'm. I like it. It's delicious as well. Let's do it. Yeah. And we'll get you an unagi don. Yeah, that's what I wanted. That's the situation I want to get involved yeah, in. Yeah. We'll find if uh you uh listeners have your favorite place to buy an unagi don. Let us know in the. Are you are you saying dong? D O N. Okay, that makes it okay. That's significantly less awkward than I thought it was. But now, I'm on. (laughs) You you hear G's where there are no G's. (laughs) I'm on the same page. So thanks for making me hungry, Ross. Yeah, no problem. I love unagi. Yeah. All right, new segment time. New segment time, which is reader mail. Reader mail. So we put out a challenge to have. People send in uh, mail to my P.O. box. Ross, do you know Literal my... mail. Yeah, literal mail. I'm holding a piece of paper in my hand. Ross, do you know my P.O. box by heart yet? No, I don't know your P.O. box six. There's a six in there. <laughs> no, there's not. Dang it. <laughs> well, there is in the zip code. Yeah, boom. So uh, you can send mail to Sam and Ross Like Things, care of Sam Davies, at P.O. box 25914, oh. Richmond, Virginia, 23260-5914. And uh, Mark, okay to read on the mail if you want us to read it. Um, This person didn't mark. uh, Oh, it says, feel free to mention me on the show. So uh, we got a nice letter from friend of the show, Blaine. Blaine. Blaine is uh, one of the proprietors of the Two People Podcast. Two People Podcast. Yeah. Which is a great show. Super good. You should listen to it. And he asks, um, what is... One thing you like about spring enrichment, which the first day of spring was recently. Yeah. And we both have to answer, and the thing does not have to be Richmond-related, as things can be, as most things can, anyone enjoys about spring can be enjoyed in RVA. Yep. I totally have an answer for this already. I would like to hear your answer. My favorite thing about Richmond in spring is the inchworms. Really? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. So, like, I don't know if this happens elsewhere. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if it has always happened, but, like, for the, for recent memory, yeah. during spring, the, the sky is filled with inchworms that hang from trees, little tiny, like, silk inchworms, And I they guess. poop. Do they poop? Yeah, they, it feels like it's raining, but it's just inchworm poop. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine. Maybe it's pee. It's fine. <laughs> okay. And I, I know that it's gross and weird to, con- like, you can't walk around without having inchworms in your hair, like... For a certain span of time in Richmond, you're always 
pulling inchworms out of people's hair, uh-huh. which is a little bit gross, but it's just... It brings us together because br- we're grooming each other. Yeah. It's <laughs> like nice. Like bonobos. It's a, it's a thing we share. And it to me, it's like whatever the word for harbinger, but not like Har- not harbinger. of destruction, harbinger, a not a negative connotation. Like spring is coming. Spring is coming, but not the, in a... The wood, worms not, are here. <laughs> yeah, not in good ways, good vibes. That's what the inchworms mean to me. I enjoy riding my bike and they're everywhere. I don't know. I just like it. I'm... I am glad you like it. Yeah, cool. I my daughters try to save all of them. Like, no. Oh, I don't care about yeah. that. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> Survival <laughs> of the fittest. Um, I and this is not going to be um a unique thing, but uh, sitting outside, yeah, in Richmond, like at a bar or on a bench or anywhere in a backyard, in a backyard doing yard beers. Yeah, sitting outside when it's not quite too hot yet, you don't feel that. Like if you get real days of spring or just sitting out, you know, one of the many uh, Richmond porches yeah, where you are drinking a beer or something with a friend. Do you know about tube top day, which is, an, I think, a not, I think I would rather call it tank top day. Um, I don't do you know, know about this? No. It is the second day of the year where it's like true blue patio weather. Because the first day of the year, everyone's like, ah, dang it. Should have worn my tank top and sat it on the patio. And then the second day when it happens, they're like, oh, I remember. I remember last time I didn't wear my tank top. Today, boom, wearing the tank top. So I think we're in, we're in, we're in like, we've passed tank top day into straight on. Is this outside. an official, official thing? Is yeah, there a look list? it up on the internet. I'm sure. All right. I mean, yeah, sure. Is there a listserv? Obviously. Okay. I mean, there's a, yes. You don't probably don't want to be on the listserv of no. tank top day, I don't think. But anyway, I'm saying yes. We have passed tank top day into yes. full sitting outside spring. Uh, yes. Which is great. So, And that can be enjoyed in cities that aren't Richmond, but Richmond is yeah. particularly good about yeah. that. Some places it's not even spring yet, like Canadian wilderness or whatever. I'm sure it's still snowing or something, right? Yeah. Who knows what those Canadians are up to? Not me. Not me. No. Their secrets are uh, up up there. <laughs> do, do we have any more reader mail? Is that our, our reader mail? That's the one we'll do this week. Uh, okay. You guys send us more. All right. Cool. Well, Sam, this was a good episode. It was. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the tw- on the Twitters as at Mr. Beefy. And Ross, where are you? I am at Ross Catro, R-O-S-S-C-A-T-R-O-W. That's Ross Catro. That's Ross Catro. And uh, if you were looking for show notes for this episode, you can go to uh, the URL, HTTP colon slash slash www because we paid extra for the www did we really no no no, (sighs) came it up sounds like a ripoff (laughs) sam and ross like things.com and this episode will be at the top number 15 right at the top goodbye see you in a fortnight bye all right i smell bad because i bikeled bikeled over here i smell bad too because my deodorant started hurting me dude just go no deodorant no i can't do that just do it no, because sam and ross like things ross likes not wearing deodorant that needs to go my i understand that you don't like deodorant but (laughs) <laughs> it just take a while for your body to acclimate is that really what happens or do yeah. i remain an incredibly smelly person for i would like you just as much as if you were an incredibly smelly person uh-huh but and so would your loved ones no <laughs> man <laughs> that's rough no i i my daughters don't hesitate from telling me that's useful man you I'm do need people, you and need I, real and people i know that so i want to be comfortable yeah. I want to you can put all this in apparently. <laughs> I want to be comfortable. I want I don't particularly care about um showing that I sweat because I do. Yeah. Nick. So I don't put on any antiperspirant. 
because that's ridiculous um because sweat is good yeah it's that it smell like I I can smell really bad. So tell me this: Do you what do you use now that you stopped using? I was using a Lush product. Okay. Which um, uh, the problem was it they make a, new batches every time, right? Do you know about Lush? No. Is your wife doing this thing? There's this place at the mall where they like hand make oh okay things right. And so I've got a Lush like beard cream, mm-hmm. and you can like customize the scent and stuff no they're not supposed to be customized like they're stock but they're handmade so there's there's some variability okay so this batch was heavier on the charcoal and it caused like major irritation but before that it was a nice scent and it wasn't staining my stuff and i i read a thing like just the other day and and it affirmed my life choices of not wearing deodorant uh-huh. and it said that you can buy spray on bacteria it's like a bacteria spray that you it was in the lenny newsletter is where it was and she said she no more deodorant but has this bacteria spray that she uses that theoretically has made her not smelling okay it sounds like it sounds like magic yeah like the crystal have you tried the crystal <laughs> no but i know about the crystal people were like when i went off the the first time people were like oh you gotta get the so you did, get the crystal. did you go through like a period of smelliness that just went away or the people in your life were like I can't tell that you're smelling anymore. Yeah, does it matter? It does matter <laughs> because I don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be the smelly guy. I don't want to be the smelly guy. <laughs> I'm not sure the answer to that question. I, I think I have enough people in my life that are willing to be like, yo, you smell bad. Right. And they don't say that to me, so I think I'm okay. So I'm in a healing phase right now where I'm. Take, take this as your chance to, to acclimate off. You don't have a job. You don't have to go to a job. It's true. This is perfect. <laughs> This is going. This will be the after show. I'll put all this in the after after show, show. and it'll be a a nice prologue to when I like not wearing deodorant.